Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Remnant, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you, and we appreciate the support. Man, uh, the last couple days have been outstanding. Great way to kick off the year as far as pod- podcast downloads, people listening online right now, live, uh, StandUpForTheTruth.com, listen, Q90FM.com, and, of course, uh, you guys sharing on social media because we are shadow banned. We are limited, and uh, you guys are getting the word out. So thank you. I mean that. Thank you. We can't do it without you guys sharing the podcast. So thank you, guys. God bless you. Um, well, it's Friday. We, we're thankful to uh, just have gone through this first week, and uh, so far, so good. Guys, are you still having a happy new year? <laughs> That's a good question. Happy new year. Isn't it the seventh today? Well, in a little bit, we're going to evaluate what happened a year ago on January 6th. And did the media, the leftist mainstream liberal Marxist media in America and the government, were they successful in that narrative that Christians, conservatives, Republicans, Trump supporters, and on and on and on were domestic terrorists and uh, we were the issue and they're comparing January 6th to the Civil War or uh, 9-11 or, uh, you know, uh, the Pearl Harbor. Come on. So we're going to talk about that and, and just look at the facts. We're also going to look at um, a very good article by today's guest, Scott Lively. And we haven't addressed it in really in depth. President Trump's vaccine dilemma. So can't wait to get to that. But Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to hopefully inform, encourage, challenge, and just uh, try to edify those who are listening right now to discern the times, to pray for wisdom, and know how to respond as Bible-believing Christians. Uh, Give us your grace, God, to do what we need to do one day at a time. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in us and for giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. We trust you today and in all things, and we pray that our lives would glorify your name, Jesus, that we would be the salt and light you said we are to be in the darkness, in our culture, in our country, in the world. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Scott Lively is with us today. He's traveling, so we got a connection out in Southern California. He's pastor, attorney, author of many books, and he has advocated and modeled the biblical worldview as a writer, speaker, attorney, human rights consultant, and missionary for more than 30 years, and we can't wait to get to some of these topics today. Scott Lively, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey, God bless you, brother, and it's good to be back with you. Yeah, so um, did you give us an update on your ministry in the last, let's just say, I think it's been four months maybe or more since we've talked. I know you've been through some censorship on big tech, the one-party big tech media conglomerate, which affects most of us who are truth proclaimers and defenders. Give us an update on your ministry, Scott. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, PayPal canceled us on December 21st, oh. just as we were ramping up our year-end fundraiser. Wow. And, uh, and of course, it's all, all this stuff is calculated. Uh, but, uh, you know, we roll with the punches. Uh, our our uh, um, source is the Lord, Amen. Uh, not PayPal. Amen. And uh, so uh, we're doing fine. And, and, uh, uh, and, and in terms of focus, uh, I've been doing what I can to, to stop what I think is a, an attempt to, uh, to turn the Trump base against him on the vaccine mandate problem, which I agree he should not be promoting the, uh, the, the clot shot, as so many people call it. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, but uh, we're doing what we've always done, uh, advancing the biblical worldview uh, in both theological and uh, political contexts. So just out of curiosity, what reason—I I, I know you were on YouTube, and I think you had issues on YouTube 
at some point, but you're still there. I checked your YouTube channel this morning. I know you're also on Rumble and other outlets, but what reason did PayPal give you for canceling you? No reason. In fact, I've never responded to my request for any explanation. It was just basically you can no longer do business with, uh, with PayPal uh, wow. for unspecified violations of their terms of use. So wow. really outrageous. Yeah. Uh, no appeal process, no discussion. It's uh, just the, 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 the sword comes down and off rolls your head. That's pretty amazing and pretty frightening. Um, what we've said so many times on this podcast earlier in the week, we had Trevor Loudon on, and basically what we're seeing by our government and by big tech and others in America is communist policy when they're silencing the opposition or for whatever reason. By the way, um, re- refresh my memory, Scott. Wer- weren't you on the uh, list, uh, the S- Southern Poverty Law Center? list oh, of, yeah. of hate sites. Can you share, share a little <laughs> I, bit about that? I, I'm actually one of the very first actual Christians to be on the uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center hate list for, <laughs> for, for being a Christian. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, this, goes, this goes way back. <clears throat> See, the Southern Poverty Law Center has always been a, a fundraising machine first and a, uh, a social engineering uh, center second. And uh, when they started losing funding, uh, because there just weren't enough white supremacist types around to, to make money off anymore, they looked around for another uh, target group yep. and, uh, and, they, and, and for another donor base. And so sort of like the gay mafias, I mean, there's hardly anybody with more money than the gay mafia. And, uh, and so they started going after people who oppose the LGBT agenda. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was... Uh, at, toward the top of that list, and then I still am, and uh, and so I got uh, included on that for having written with my Orthodox Jewish co-author, the Pink Swastika: Homosexuality in the Nazi Party, and uh, and I've been on it ever since, and uh, uh, it's opened some great doors with <laughs> remnant uh, believers, but it's also closed uh, many more doors. Mm. For anybody who gives credence to the Southern Poverty Law Center hate line, yeah, and they they are radical. They, uh, maybe they started off with good intentions and did some good work in their early uh, years, but in the last, I don't, I, I, I've said that too. I just don't believe that anymore. Okay, you know, uh, Morris Dees actually launched the thing with the fundraising list from the McGovern for President campaign. Oh my goodness! So he's <laughs> always been a hard leftist. Okay, and from the beginning, it was always just cynical. Uh, you know. Uh, propaganda and uh, exploitation of leftist donors, especially liberal Jews, hmm. uh, just really twisting everything to sort of, it's the panic, um, the same kind of mentality behind the, the sort of panic porn of the, of the pandemic uh, is behind the Southern Poverty Law Center's fundraising themes. Yeah, so nothing new under the sun. Okay, well, I want to talk just a little bit more about that because we have a lot of newer listeners um, in the last several months. People are finding out about the podcast. Praise God, because we're not doing it. We don't even have an email newsletter. And Scott, you don't know this, but I've been thanking our listeners at the end of 2020. Wait a minute, 2021, (laughs) a week ago uh, or so, we got almost $20,000 of donations from people across the country coming in for this ministry. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is God, because we didn't ask for it. We didn't send out an email reminder saying, hey, end of year giving. We didn't do any of that. And God moved on people and it's just it's just astounding to me. But I, I want to talk about some of your books and go back to the beginning. Um, you mentioned the gay mafia. I know exactly what you mean. I've written about it for over a decade myself and their really their takeover of culture, Hollywood, the public schools, uh, media. They have power, uh, the human rights campaign. But you wrote the book, The Pink Swastika. And so tell us a little bit about that leading up to your writing that book and a little bit about it and where people can get it. Well, you know, my background is I was an alcoholic and a drug addict for 16 years from the age of 12. Total bondage to drugs and alcohol. And then healed and delivered in prayer on my knees in a secular rehab center in 1986. Mm. I got up off my knees, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, (laughs) uh, a slave to Christ, Mm. and have worked to stand for his truth ever since. Well, 
to whom much is given, much is required. And, uh, and the Lord had basically, you know, uh, you know, commissioned me to take on a battle that very, very few people would take on. I mean, even then, it was much easier to stand against the LGBT agenda then. Mm-hmm. Today, it's almost impossible. And uh, but even then, it was very tough. And uh, he sort of led me into that ministry, opening my eyes in the process because I was very liberal before. Wow. In fact, my my <laughs> my my car mechanic was a lesbian. And at one point, when I had my contracting business, the guy that I hired to be the sort of the phone answerer in our little tiny office turned out to be a transvestite who was dug during the day and read it at night. And I, you know, I just <laughs> rolled with it, you know? Wow. So, so it completely flipped. And once I had my eyes open, that the LGBT movement has always been the core mm. of cultural Marxism, yep. which is different than, than, the, than the economic Marxism that Trevor Loudon talks about yes. uh, most of the time. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you can hear us, but I think your signal just dropped out. We'll have to reconnect with you. So we, we will do that. Are you there, Scott? Okay, we'll do that. We'll try to reconnect with him. Um, I did give him our direct line to the studio, so hopefully he will either call back or uh, Travis, our producer, is going to get a hold of him and uh, call his, his number back. But he is in Southern California. But I do want to give you an, just a little bit of background on that, guys. This has been going on for 50 years. We look at it as a couple, like five years ago in 2017 when uh, Target and other corporations decided to jump on the transgender bandwagon and they decided, okay, let's make a new bathroom policy where men, biological males can use girls' bathrooms and women's bathrooms. This is just the, the, this del- delusion that has spread throughout our culture. But the, I always say this, the ground had to be prepped for these kinds of decisions and this kind of public support. The United States, we are divided, even as a church to some degree, but let's just say out in our culture, we are divided on these issues. LGBTQ plus IAA, whatever. The plus means whatever they decide to add to it, they're going to do, and then the hate crimes legislation is coming. We've talked about that in the Equality Act, but it had to be gradually prepped for these kinds of decisions and policies, not just in our government, but in corporations. Private businesses are saying, yes, we'll put in a a bathroom that's going to be transgender. What does that mean? So anyway, what this does, we've talked about this. In fact, I think just a few days ago, we had Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis. We replayed a, a broadcast where he's got a book out called Divided Nation, Conflicted Church. He goes back to the roots in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. If you don't get the foundation down, and that means the foundation of creation, the foundation of God, and then God created the heavens and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm, and then Genesis 1:26, God made mankind— Male and female. It's pretty basic. It's pretty basic for us to understand as Bible-believing Christians, but know that in our culture there's so much confusion because of cultural Marxism, because of the confusion in the public square, in the school system, and in the media, the mainstream media. Marxism, uh, we mentioned cultural Marxism. Because of this push and this agenda, that's why there's so much confusion over these issues, the transgender issue and the gay and lesbian issue. So, Scott, I think we have you back. You there? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, the the devil is uh, the the power of the prince of the air. <laughs> yes. Right. So, yeah. so <laughs> I basically gets in the middle of those connections. Yes. Yeah, so basically, I picked up on what you were saying, and I'll let you continue now because I basically said we shouldn't be surprised by this because the ground had to be prepped for this radical yeah. movement to be accepted to some degree by the public, yeah. in our culture, and by That's corporations. Right. All of the different aspects of the, the Marxist uh, dictatorship that's uh, emerging now all started with the LGBT movement, going all the way back to the 1940s. And uh, even things like doxing, right? Yeah. Uh, and and that, that was all, all that stuff was perfected by the gays long, long ago, and then it was adopted by the, the, the Democrat coalition Mm-hmm. and applied to all the other different things. Even Jesse Jackson, remember? Jesse Jackson's 
Rainbow Push Coalition. That's right. That was that's right. That was, that was 1984. Wow. And uh, and it was run by the gays uh, to ex- to incorporate the blacks into the the, the core progressive uh, strategy. And then uh, once they were through with Jesse Jackson, they threw him under the bus and just kept going and <laughs> and came out as the leaders. Yeah. And uh, of course, they had done that since the late '60s, but. Yeah, anyway, that's the background. So we've got five minutes left in this segment, and in segment two, we're going to talk about uh, just the the fact that the Supreme Court is taking on uh, the COVID-19 mandate, the Biden-Harris administration. Um, So they're taking on that case today. I want to get your... Uh, put your attorney's hat on and talk to you about that. Plus your article, President Trump's Vaccine Dilemma. We'll get to that in segment two, but let's go to January 6th now. They've always tried, the left the left and the activists, the radicals, they've always tried to frame Christians as uh, rigid, fundamental, intolerant, judgmental, and now they're framing some of us as domestic terrorists, and they're using January 6th to do that. It was a calculated setup. And I want to read just one sentence from this article. It says the Democrat Party is predictably using the, quote, riot a year ago to blame Donald Trump and his supporters for attempting an, quote, insurrection at the U.S. Capitol to protest the presidential election of 2020. Dr. Scott Lively, your thoughts? Yeah, well, this is all being driven by the Southern Poverty Law Center. They are the masters of the white supremacist, uh, you know, attack narrative and always have been. Uh, doesn't mean that they're necessarily appoint people behind the scenes, but this is not something that's new. Uh, everything was really, if you, you go back and look for the blueprint of how they set this up, mm-hmm. it was Charlottesville. Charlottesville was the original sort of, you know, dress rehearsal for January 6th. You know, gather all the Trump people together in one place and then stage an, an Antifa, uh, you know, uh, uh, street theater uh, with the, with Antifa radicals dressed in Trump clothing, yep. uh, all of it covered by the media, and then constant spin, spin, spin to pound it into the the minds of the public. Hmm. Uh, the the narrative. See for the for the left for these cultural Marxists, the narratives are the scripture, yeah. right? For us, the Bible is the scripture. For yes. them, the narratives are the scripture. Hmm. And once the narrative is put forth then they all embrace it as dogma, and they never give up on it, no matter what the facts are. If you just keep that in mind, you'll always understand how these cultural Marxists work. Wow. Um, Refresh our memories on Charlottesville. You made that comparison a minute ago. Remember, Charlottesville was a place where, uh, when the left was taking down all the Confederate monuments. I'm no big fan of the Confederacy. My you know, we were we were abolitionists from Massachusetts, but <laughs> I believe in historical preservation. Yes. And and, uh, and I was against them tearing down the, those monuments. But Charlottesville was the showdown where the where this where the right supposedly was going to stand up and protect the monuments. But the whole thing was was uh, seems to me in retrospect to have been probably an FBI uh, slash CIA slash Democrat Party uh, organized or, or maybe just hijacked event so that, so that when all these people showed up to defend the monuments, the, they were infiltrated by large numbers of Antifa activists bust in that's documented, uh, who then uh, pretended to be Trump uh, supporters. And then it, w- it was all for the purpose of, of embarrassing Trump, frame him as a supporter of white supremacy. Yep. And then, uh, and, and they pulled that off. And of course the media is pre-planted in there, right? They're embedded with the Antifa radicals in order to get it all documented on film, because once it goes on TV, then that's the truth, right, to, to huge numbers of unthinking Americans. Yes. And uh, that's what happened. So then Charlottesville became the blueprint okay. for January 6th. So, Scott, in your opinion, what was the impact of the left in this media narrative and the government, and uh, what, were they successful? Well, that, it, it comes down to who you're talking about. If you're talking about the people who follow the legacy media and who trust the, the so-called experts, those people are thoroughly brainwashed. Yes. How can you tell them? They've got masks on wherever they go, right? That's how you really see, right? Mm. That what, People who have masks on in places where you don't have to have a mask on, uh, according to the, uh, you know, the policy of the store or whatever, uh, that that's an indication of the dividing line yeah. between those who are who are sheep who are who are following the so-called experts 
of the corporate, uh, you know, Marxist world uh, versus those who are independent thinkers who have gotten their information from other sources that actually provide facts uh, and, and that are, that is where, where things where, where behavior is based in reason and a love for liberty and truth. I think we've got to take a break, but we, we want to extend this part of the conversation this morning with Scott Lively when we come back, because there's an outstanding article we at least, least need to touch on over at American Thinker. It says so much evidence that January 6, 2021 was a calculated setup. We just need to talk about this a little bit more, especially for our newer listeners that have not been uh, getting the accurate information in the last year. Uh, We have sources, by the way, standardforthetruth.com, 200 resources. We'll be right back in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of standupforthetruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Scott Lively is our guest today. You can get more info on his ministry and all his books at scottlively.net. Now, this article at American Thinker, so much evidence that January 6, 2021 was a calculated setup. I'm just going to read the first sentence, and it's just, we don't have time to get into the whole thing, but I want to get your reaction, Scott. It says, political persecution and isolation of vast swaths of the citizenry by the Justice Department, the intelligence community, and the judiciary in the wake of the January 6, 2021 Capitol incursion should bring a chill down the spine of every American and it, however, it's not because I don't think enough people realize how dangerous that was, that whole setup, and that there is political persecution. There is um, corruption in the Justice Department and the intelligence community. But most people, do you think they get it? No. I, well, I, it, I don't know how, what the percentages are of people, but I know that there's a vast number of Americans uh, who are, whose, whose views on reality are shaped by uh, uh, by the, the big five, you know, big tech, big government, big business, big media, and big pharma uh, today. And, uh, and that cabal is almost unbreakable for people who trust the authorities. Uh, you really have to have an independent thinking mind in order to get outside the scope of what they control in terms of information control. And uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not getting alternative sources of information, to, 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 uh, then, then all you're getting is a the echo chamber mm-hmm. of of, uh, of of the narrative in every in, in in like a dozen different variations every day coming from all sides, then that shapes your reality. And uh, and uh, fortunately, there's also a vast number of Americans, um, a, a large number of them Christians, that do not trust the uh, the government anymore. They don't sure. trust the institutions that we've trusted in the past, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, looking back, most of us have it, even though if some people believed the media narratives at the beginning or the left, uh, the, the Democrat, socialists, and what they were saying and the trumpeting of the talking points, most people now understand the person that got murdered was a conservative, Ashley Babbitt. And what happened with the lack of c- police presence at the Capitol, knowing that at Trump rallies and at cities across the country, Antifa was wreaking havoc and Black Lives Matter, and they had less police presence at the Capitol. Something had to be behind it. Okay, Scott, one right. more. I'm sorry, one more sentence I have to read. Actually, two from this article. It said, "This is really good. The initial step in consolidating power is to incessantly demonize as enemies of the state one's political opponents." Check. The second is to isolate and delegitimize them by either staging or so exaggerating an incident that any and all steps to quash them are acceptable in order to, quote, save the nation. And man, we went through that kind of rhetoric after January 6th a year ago, didn't we? Yes. Well, of course, that's all the Solovinsky strategy. Yes. Uh, You know, rules for radicals. This is straight out of the the cultural Marxist playbook. And uh, another point to think about, whenever you're you're looking at how uh, the Democrat Party operates, um, just just to ask yourself, what would a Hollywood scriptwriter craft if he was if he was given the the job of, 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 of writing a movie or a TV show? about XYZ, 
what would he write? Hmm. And then, then you look at what actually happens. It's, <laughs> that's what it is. It's, it's, it's the, they think like a movie, hmm. right? They think like, this is what will dupe people. This, will, this is what will sucker people into our narrative. Mm-hmm. And they do just that. I didn't need anybody to tell me uh, from day one that uh, the January 6th was a setup. I knew it. In fact, the day before, I predicted that the, uh, the January 6th was going to be like the, the Reichstag fire hmm. in, in, uh, in Nazi Germany. And it turned out to be that's exactly what it is. That's what the Reichstag fire was. The Nazis burned down the German parliament and blamed it on the communists. Wow. And that's exactly what the, what the Democrats and the rhinos did in D.C. They burned down the Capitol and blamed it on the, the MAGA movement. Hmm. Not oh, literally. I mean, yes. They didn't literally burn it down. But, yes. it, but you know, in terms of uh, the narrative, that's what, exactly what happened. And that will all eventually come out, or mu- much of it. Uh, it just hasn't yet, and uh, they don't care that it comes out in the long run. Right. As long as that they, they can preserve the narrative through the 2022 election cycle, which is the critical turning point for the country, one direction or the other. Let me uh, follow up on something you said um, that it's going to come out. This has been a year. We're a year later now, and a lot of it hasn't come out. And some, of, as you say, some people believed the mainstream media at the beginning, and they haven't heard some of the facts. Um, What would you say about the impact of a news organization, so-called news, the media, they put out something, possibly, I'm just saying possibly knowing our media today, they know it's, it's, it's not true, but they want to frame it a certain way. Just like you said, Hollywood movies, they'll portray it the way they want people to understand it, not according to the truth or what actually happened. So when news media put something out, they don't care if six months or a year later they have to go and put a little disclaimer saying they have to make a correction. They put it on the back page in the New York Times or they, they might mention it on the CNN website after the damage has been done. Your thoughts? Right. Well, remember the Matthew Shepard uh, hate crime yes. right, from years and years ago, right? It took 10 years for the truth to finally come out. But when it did come out, Matthew Shepard wasn't murdered by homophobes who, who were, uh, you know, enraged with, uh, with bigotry. Uh, the, it, he was killed by his sex partners who were drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And, and yet that narrative, the media knew what was going on. Yep. That narrative was, was promoted for 10 years and is the single uh, uh, most important piece of uh, the narrative for pushing through the Federal Hate Crimes Act, which we now are, are subject to from coast to coast. And, and that, that's the way these guys operate. They don't care as long, what you find out later, as long as at the critical time that the narrative prevails over the truth. And, uh, and so this, the same is going to be true for everything else. Scott, and, and they also know they can spin it. They can always spin it as long as they control the public information systems right. over a, a big enough swath of the population. That's right. Then they don't care what anybody else knows as long as they can keep the sheep in the corral. Uh, talk about that a little bit more, because I, I remember writing about that case, uh, Matthew Shepard. Just briefly, what happened? And you said it took 10 years for the truth to finally come out, but we've got hate crimes legislation potentially built on that false narrative. What happened? Yeah, it was even called the Matthew Shepard Hate Crimes Act. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and, and all across America, this... The, 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 um, this this fraudulent misrepresentation in the form of, 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 an, of a performance, of a play, right, that went all over. The, that went, every high school in America yep. uh, practically had this, uh, this, this student sitting down and watching a play that represented this false narrative about Matthew Shepard. Yeah, so he was, and, he was a gay man. And, yeah, that, yep, yep, go yeah, ahead. He, and, he, well, he was, he was murdered out in the, in the country someplace and— uh, and, uh, and hung on a fence and, and all that. And it was, uh, it was a, tra- a tragic, terrible death. Mm-hmm. He, you know, nobody deserves to, that, to, for that to happen. That's right. But it was a gay-on-gay crime related to, to drug deal that had gone bad by his former sex partners, mm-hmm. right? And, and, of course, any hint of, of the truth about that would have completely destroyed the narrative. Yep. And yet, the, but, the, but the conspiracy of silence about the truth Right. The media. These are investigative journalists. Right. <laughs> yes. Supposedly. Supposedly. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't give them. 
these guys are in on it, right? Big tech, big media, big Marxism. It's the same people, revolving door, constant. Uh, they're in. They, they, they are uh, secular humanists. Their religion, the common religion they hold is secular humanism, regardless if they sit in a church or a synagogue or whatever. And the narratives are their scripture, and they, they do not deviate from the narrative without being excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I think of another name, a recent case. He didn't get killed, but he faked his own uh, attack, Jussie Smollett. Oh, yeah. Jussie Smollett, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen there? People, I mean, for a year or more, people were believing that he was actually attacked. And, and Scott, yeah. you're familiar with that case too, right? Yeah, well, I knew it was a scam from the very beginning. Having been through this, I was, I've been set up with these kind of things before. Wow. When I was this communications director for the Oregon Citizens Alliance back in 1991 and 1992, that uh, we were the target of in what, what Kavanaugh went through, what all the other people have gone through. Yeah. We went through it before with equal or greater intensity wow. at the state level, not the national. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they vandalized the Catholic Church and, uh, and blamed it on us. Uh, they, there was a—anyway, uh, that's a whole show by itself. <laughs> but I know from whereof I speak, uh, from personal experience, having been the target uh, the scapegoat for some of these things that were just to advance the narrative. Okay. Well, let's move on now at, for the sake of time. But this was good background. I think people need to understand the power in the media. And, you know, Satan is the father of lies, but, man, he's he owns the, the airwaves, doesn't he? Um, Scott, sure does. today yeah. the Supreme Court is taking on Biden's COVID-19 mandate, and the justices are hearing from plaintiffs who say OSHA— overstepped its authority with an emergency temporary workplace standard that would force employers with 100 or more workers to determine which employers are unvaccinated and require them to submit to weekly testing for coronavirus infection. Is this constitutional in your uh, professional opinion? Absolutely not. This is a the, the greatest threat to liberty that we face in this country in a very, very, very long time, maybe since the revolution itself. Wow. Uh, and this is this ruling that comes down from the Supreme Court is going to tell us whether our Supreme Court has been bought off in the same way the corporate media has. You know, mm-hmm. we, it was we're, they were it was highly suspicious that they would not uh, uh, provide any assistance to the people uh, in the 2020 election theft. Uh, and and uh, and then and then following that, we we had the very disturbing fact that uh, uh Oh, what's her name? The new female uh, justice, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, Barrett, yeah, yeah, Amy Coney Barrett, siding with the government on these uh, unconstitutional mandates. Mm-hmm. And so today is going to be. This is going to tell us uh, whether or not the, that the Supreme Court is actually following the Constitution in defense of the people, or whether they've been bought off. And, uh, and I, I have no. I, I, it could be either way, fifty-fifty, okay. as I'm concerned. Um, yesterday, uh, and they're using this, the left is using this as well, um, the vaccine mandates and the idea of um, who, ca- who can catch COVID and who can't. But yesterday we had Patrick Wood on, and we talked about the danger of those who are saying, like, like President Biden, saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is a lie. That's a lie. And, and that's I, let me challenge saying. you on one thing, David, though. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, it's, it should be putative President Biden. Oh, yeah, good point. president, right? It yeah. acknowledges that he's sitting in that seat, uh, <laughs> yes. but it does not grant. It does not accept the lie that uh, that that he got there legitimately. And uh, and I don't care how much time has gone by. I'm never caving to the narrative that Biden legitimately won the 2020 uh, election. Uh, and and so it's for me, it's always putative President Biden. Thank you. And, and if you want if you want a background. Uh, if you want to see the, the real duplicity in all this, I read an article this morning, one of the best I've read in, in all this whole for the past, past two years, uh, by Robert F. Kennedy, I mean, Jr., yeah. uh, who uh, uh, in uh, his, his website, Children's Defense Network, yeah. uh, article titled uh, the, uh, How the Day Jake Tapper Sold is Sold to Big Pharma. Oh my you want to see how all this stuff comes together? Fantastic wow. article that nails the guy from Kennedy's personal interaction with him uh, over vaccine policy going back to 2005 
and explains why CNN and how, how all these guys have been bought off uh, to perpetuate the false narrative. Uh, and, you know, and they're all unified in this. Like I said, this is the scripture for them. You cannot deviate from the scripture or you'll be excommunicated. And, and none of these guys want to be excommunicated because then there goes your job. There goes your, your access to the, to the fun guys, you know, the fun people yes. the in crowd. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't take the jab myself and, uh, I won't wear a mask unless I'm absolutely forced to do it. Uh, which, which any federal control facility is in it. Uh, but, uh, and I have absolutely no worries about my health and, uh, I've, I don't, I think I probably have had the thing already. It was so minor. It didn't, didn't really hurt me, but that's, that's me. Mm-hmm. And everybody is sort of on a, on the spectrum of total sheep or, uh, to- totally free. And, uh, you just have to decide, you know, based on your own assessment and your own belief in God's ability to, to, to protect and guide you, uh, where you're going to fit on that spectrum. So we don't have time to jump into your latest article, President Trump's Vaccine Dilemma, until after this next break, because we're only a minute away from the break. But I do want to mention childrenshealthdefense.org. We have that linked up in our resources at standupforthetruth.com. 200 resources in alphabetical order for you. Um, But your intro to the article, I just want to tease it so when we come back, we can talk about it, because... Uh, He did get Operation Warp Speed going, and Biden said he didn't do anything. In fact, Biden tweeted out uh, over a year ago, he said, well, President Trump has done nothing to uh, stop this virus, and what has Biden done? But anyway, you say this, Scott Lively, you say President Donald Trump never had total control of his administration. And then you go on to explain why you think that is, but the title President Trump's vaccine dilemma. We're going to talk about that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. We're connected with Scott Lively. He's out in Southern California on a little vacation, and we're thankful for his time today. You can get more information on his ministry, scottlively.net. Also, you can find out about the First Century Bible Church, find out about Swamp Rangers and some of his books and how to resist the medical tyranny. More with Scott Lively when we come back in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So I just want to mention one more time, we will put this article in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. The day Jake Tapper sold his soul to pharma, and it's over at The Defender, which is childrenshealthdefense.org. And I'm going to dissect that and get into that when we get off the air because Scott Lively recommended it. Okay, Scott, what happened with Donald Trump from Operation Warp Speed to uh, him uh, seemingly promoting ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and other therapeutics, and now he seems to be uh, speaking about the vaccine in a positive light? Can you give us a little bit of background on how you got into this article? Yeah, well, first of all, you have to recognize, and, and, and I've been in politics for a long time. I ran for governor twice in Massachusetts, and I'm, you know, Lord, give me a, an analytical mind. Uh, and and uh, that, that Donald Trump never did have full control of his administration. I think a lot of people recognize that. Yeah. Uh, and and the, uh, he, really, by the time he left office, he was taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had about control of half of the executive branch. And large part because he didn't have anybody to make appointments of, right? Who are the people that have government experience that he could put in those slots? They're all corrupted, with very few exceptions. They're the, the, only, the, the very few Reagan holdovers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them had gone, you know, were Bushies from the, from the beginning anyway. And uh, Bush and Clinton uh, are interchangeable when it comes to, uh, to, to uh, so, social justice and humanistic policies. And so... Uh, um, There are several instances where Donald Trump was basically forced to take particular actions. And and what Trump's greatest um, asset is his ability to sort of balance his uh, America first and Judeo-Christian principles with real practical politics. Yes, you have to be able to do that as to be in politics. A lot of Christians can't accept that because sort of violates our standard of of uh, evangelical purism, but uh, but Trump was very good at it, and and a person and his his he's a deal maker, 
first and foremost, right? Not a politician, a businessman. And, and, uh, and so when he gets in a situation, and when you don't have control of your own organization, you're often put into situations where your only choice is the lesser of two evils, right? And are you going to do this or are you going to do that because you're boxed in? And you can't, you know, some things you can take them on. And if the public is listening to you, you can overcome the control of the, of the you know, puppet masters. Mm-hmm. But in, when it came to the vaccine nonsense, the pandemic, the panic porn that they started flooding the America with was un- insurmountable. Trump could not oppose it uh, without being taken down. He would be marginalized and turned into a fringe figure. And he, he recognized that. And so he, had to, he got ahead of the narrative with Operation Warp Speed, that they were going to hang all the deaths of the pandemic around his neck. And they were doing that anyway. Yes. And he sort of outmaneuvered them. The lesser of two evils, really, was to, was to, to do this Operation Warp Speed, hmm. even while he was promoting ivermectin and hydrochloroquine. And, uh, and, but the, but the, he didn't realize, I believe, that part two of the, of the vaccine story was the planned harm hmm. that was going to come from that, that they could nail him with and keep him out forever. And that's where we are now. So, so he sort of stuck in the, in the position of being the guy that, had, that pushed for the, 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 the fast vaccine, so-called vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and, it's kind of, and, and then can't really backtrack on that uh, without sort of admitting that he was wrong. And I've laid out a, a, uh, a, a paragraph of, of, a, of approach that I said he should, he should just distinguish the process of Operation Warp Speed from the product that was the responsibility of big pharma and get himself separate those two things. Yes. I gave every possibility for them to do the right thing and to produce a good product. And they didn't do it. Hmm. That's on them, not on me. And I'm standing with the people against this inferior product that they produced. And, uh, that, that, that could get him out of it. But if he doesn't do that, then, and, and especially if he continues to endorse the so-called vaccines with all the damage that's happening and and day after day, more and more is coming out that could kill his, his uh, support in a big part of his base. I've never seen so many people turn against Trump on anything, even when he was putting, uh, you know, homosexuals in high positions, even that didn't uh, nothing like this Hmm. hardcore previous hardcore supporters, 180 degrees flipped against him. So I wrote this article as a, as a way to show this is the middle road. This is the path of balance. Don't you lose your balance. He's just a man, right? He's That's just right. a man. That's right. And he has flaws and he makes mistakes like anybody else. Don't throw him away because he's made a mistake on this one issue. Hmm. Uh, that's important. We, we can't forget, and a lot of us have, have talked about this, written about this, the policy separating the, the man and the narratives and the I mean, he's he's got some dilemmas, truly has some dilemmas because of the attack, because of the media narrative, because of what was carried out against him, um, really the coup. Uh, he's got some dilemmas, but we can't forget the policies. And you made the, a good point at the very beginning of of what you just shared and that he did more as president uh, supporting Israel, uh, moving the uh, the U.S. embassy. Um, doing so many things. What for the pro-life movement, for religious freedom, um, standing up for evangelical Christianity against Christian persecution. He did more in his policies than even I would even put him up to Reagan as far as supporting. Oh, I think Chris- he did better than yeah, Reagan. Yeah, as far as supporting Christians and Jews. Yeah, and and I, what I like I said in there, you know, remember Rush Limbaugh, my great hero, we actually met once. Uh, you know, to say, you know, uh, with half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. <laughs> Uh, what was great line? Uh, well, President Trump did more with half an administration than any other president in my lifetime. Exactly. And uh, so, even though I I, I am I, I did a, a piece in which I blasted him uh, for you know partially endorsing the LGBT agenda. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I one of them that said that may very well be why God did not give him favor hmm. in the 2020 election. Uh, that because if you look biblically speaking, that is an enormous enormous affront to Almighty God, and that may be why he didn't win. But nevertheless, he, he is just a man, and, uh, and, and in balance, he's still, even with 
the 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 errors on uh, LGBT stuff and on the vaccine mandate, he's still head and shoulders above anybody else that we've had in that office, except Reagan. They're very close in many ways. That's right. But uh, but that's it. We got to be realistic. Yes. As far as what he did for America. Um, I want to emphasize a point here that that may be redundant, but Barack Obama was a very effective president. I didn't I don't mean he helped the country. I meant no. for his agenda, the progressive agenda. And he had everybody working with him. You know, all, you know, they were all aligned on that. He did a lot of damage in eight years. He accomplished a lot of his promises. He did a lot for the LGBT, he did a lot for the. For the trans, he did a lot for Planned Parenthood. He did, he did a lot for the the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, he did a lot of damage in this country. So when I say he accomplished a lot, a lot of people say Obama was Obama was an inept. No, 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 no. He was no, he no. was brilliant, he was, evil, yeah. but brilliant. But President Trump accomplished a lot in a good way and really helped the country. I mean, not even talking about the economy. We don't have time to get into all that. Really quick question from a listener, uh, Scott Lively. Uh, do you think Trump's ego will allow him to admit he was wrong about pushing the vax, even though he has taken the Pfizer jab himself? Uh, yes, if he's able to dis- to separate the process from the product. That's say, the thing. Cl- say that yeah. again? If, if he's able to, dis- in, in his own rhetoric, in his own message to the American people, if he's able to distinguish the process of Operation Warp Speed from the product that they came out with. Okay. And there's an additional complication in that, in that that product, even though it's not a vaccine uh, in, in, a, in, the, in the true sense of the word, it did, did have a positive in, impact on the very vulnerable, right? If you're 80 years old, yes. right? It all comes down to the risk-benefit ratio, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're elderly, you've got serious comorbidities, um, then the right thing to do would be to take that, that jab uh, that's not a vaccine because it will help you to survive, um, it, uh, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But uh, and Trump is in that category. He did get get it, and it, and it, uh, uh, you know. So it's it's kind of a tougher. He's got a really tough road uh, to sort of line to walk on this. But I think he can do it. And I think as time goes on, the, the biggest problem is the number of people who have been sucked into the the narrative it, the, it's a large percentage of americans mm-hmm. uh, who uh, who support the vaccine mandates and the and the and the masking and all that even a lot of maga people were were, were hoarding toilet paper right and, and that showed that, that that literally i that was that was a psychological that was a test yes of the population i believe fascinating that it, it, it was it was intended to show just how much of the population really had been uh, um, captured by the narrative, and uh, and once Trump saw that and, and those other things, he had he had it would have been political suicide to take the to the line. Let's just go with ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, and he would have had like twenty five percent of the population behind him, and the and 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 he would have been blamed for every negative thing, which they are already trying to do. One last point, sure, President Trump did in this country an amazing job with all the people that Obama had on his team. They were all working together, big media, big tech, big, big business, big pharma. All of them were, were, were behind Obama 100 percent. It was one unified team. That, in, that same team was working against Donald Trump on every single issue constantly. And yet, he nevertheless, he still produced an amazing record of accomplishments with half an administration and against that entire uh, cabal, that entire panoply of wicked opponents. Hmm. It's, it was, it's just really miraculous what, what he was able to do, Yes, despite all that. With the deep swamp, and he did some good work there, but he had no idea, probably even he didn't know how deep that swamp in D.C. actually was and is and remains. That's why he. you say you started off the article by saying you, he never had total control of his administration because he couldn't get all of his guys in there or his the help that he needed because the Obama leftovers. There was no bench. There yep. was no bench. Yep. Right. Who are you going to put in all these spots <laughs> that has government experience? Everybody with government experience you could plug in there had already has loyalties to corrupt people. To the right? left. Pence. Uh, the the um, 
uh, Tillerson, right? Tillerson was terrible. Mm. A whole bunch of them, absolutely terrible. And of the few people that he could actually count on, like like uh, Grinnell. Grinnell is just an opportunist, right? Very typical of people like him. And yet, yet he he saw the opportunity that uh, to be able to advance rapidly up the ladder by being loyal to Trump. And so he was he was legitimately loyal to Trump policy, but for his own sake, not Trump's sake. And uh, and he he gained much more than he gave uh, by 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 that loyalty. But so what does it tell you when one of the when one of your best and most loyal lieutenants is actually a guy who advances uh, uh, sexual perversion uh, to as uh, to be normalized in society to children? Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's what does it tell you that you just there isn't much of a choice in terms of who you're going to put in these spots uh, in, in all these positions, thousands of them. In a in a in, a, uh, in the executive that's right uh, division. So uh, Scott Lively, we've got two minutes left, and let's speculate for a minute. Your thoughts on where we are going to go this year with the midterms, and then what might happen? Is Trump going to run? Do you think in twenty twenty four, two years from now, what might happen? What are your thoughts? Well, I think this uh, there's two really distinct uh, uh, possibilities, and either way, these are sort of like. Uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I, either we're going to have a, a globalist collapse of the economy uh, within the next 90 days, a great collapse to uh, pave the way for the Great Reset in the spring. Uh, and if that happens, it's the end of liberty, and we're you know we're we're, we're watching sort of the, the 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 launch or the pre-launch of the Antichrist Kingdom. That's mm -hmm. one possibility, uh, and we won't see it till it happens. You know, but it'll be big if it does. And the other is that there's a great reckoning uh, that all the people who have been boiling, their blood's been boiling and they've been smoldering with anger over what's going on. And, and, and as more and more people start seeing the truth of what really happened about all these things, January 6th and the vaccines and the, all of it, then the, then the great reckoning is where the people rise up and they, and they get their justice mm. against the people who did this to us uh, and Politically, in the best case scenario, is it happens in the political uh, and cultural context. Worst case scenario is it turns into vigilantism mm. uh, and uh, and violence. But uh, I think those are the two uh, alternate paths that we could see, depending on whether the globalists pull the trigger on on the great collapse, uh, uh, and 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 uh, because they think they can't actually win in 22 by any other means. That's right. And they've already loaded their guns and uh, they're already ready for war. We've got to be aware. We've got to be prepared as the body of Christ. Keep focused on the mission and the Great Commission. Dr. Scott Lively, scottlively.net. Scott, uh, just, say, just say goodbye to our, our friends, our listeners. Oh, God bless you all out there. You know, stay true to the Lord. Uh, nothing changes for us. It's always about trusting God, loving our family, being the, the, the light and salt wherever we are. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, tomorrow, we've got Rusty Thomas on. He's an author of the book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. Actually, that's Monday. And then we've got Seth Gruber on, Kevin Sorbo, Dr. Andy Woods, and former transgender Laura Perry, then Heidi St. John. A big month of January with some great guests. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.